Yeah, so this evening I want to bring up just a word of encouragement to you. Um, you know, Lee and I have been on quite a journey over the last decade with Josh Jen, especially. And I think part of our journey really matches well with who you are as a church. I must have been here this evening, you're about two months into uh, uh, PM, about that. Eh? And it has all the feels of a new congregation, eh? Does it? No, I don't know. Look, I was coming in, it just feels it's like it's new soil, it's new people, it's just, and with that comes, there's so much potential, there's so much that God would want us, yeah, God would really want to do. But I wanted to share a bit about Jenny because about, um, about 12 years ago, God brought us into Josh Shen, we've been in another church, I was saved into a church in the southern suburbs, um, disciple and grew up in that church, he joined that church just after I got saved, which is awesome, thank you Lord. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, we were with that church for about 10, 11 years, and then God led us to join Josh Jen. And in those days, Josh Jen was meeting at the far end of Josh Jen City Hall, specifically. And they're meeting at the far end of Seapoint, in what's now the French school. We went, we went down there, we were meeting there for about, about a year and a half we were at, uh, at City Hall, and we just came into uh, just an experience of just love in family. People who love God. We just like talk about it, but did it live the life. And we experienced so much of that, just the presence of God and worship, and we're so just amazed by what God was doing in those uh, kind of year and a half. And then about, yeah, about a year and a half into that, we come up to eldership during that time, it all happened really quickly. God had said it was going to happen quickly, but you know, you process things slowly, or I do. I do. But okay, yeah, but I think you, know, you process things slowly. You seem to be saying that, I do. And uh, sure, because I feel so much was happening in those, those early years of 2010, 2011. And we got then, we got planted out from City Bowl into the southern suburbs, where we had come from. And as we planted out from City Bowl, we took about 20 people with us, about that was About 20 people from City Bowl went and joined the church in the, in the southern suburbs called Constantinople Church. And so these two churches came together in a merge. And became a Joshian congregation, it became Joshian Constantinople. And it was one of the first times, it was still the early days that this was happening within the story of, of Joshian. It was one of the first times it was happening, and what? It was a roller coaster journey. Oh, no. It was, yeah, it was an unbelievable journey. And so that's, yeah, Lee and I um, were, went off of, um, like I said, 20, 20 or so people City Bowl. And that became Josh and Constantinople. And then after about three years, we were initially leading that congregation. Over a bit of time, I took over the leading of that congregation specifically. And had to try and transition a group of people to really have the same heart, you know, with the same mind. To be a people who, who loved each other, but who were like, going in the same direction together. We're speaking the same language, and we're going in the same direction. And you guys will be experiencing some of that, this transition that's occurring. As you know, all learning, needing to learn to point in the same direction and follow God in the same way. So yeah, we left uh, Joshua Constantinople to 2014, but then we felt after about three years of leading it to actually replant the church. So if a merge wasn't enough, we decided to replant. I mean, we moved the church from what was in Sakai into Weinberg, and it became what's now Joshua in Weinberg, and we replanted the church in about 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. And on our journey went, and yeah, it was, it was an amazing journey, challenging journey. But I think God showed us a lot over those years that I want to try and deposit into this evening. So I feel like the word that God had for you guys tonight, that I thought later my heart was this 
how to follow well during times of change, or how to follow well during times of transition. Um, and we've been through a number of changes. The most recent was in 2019 when we leaving Josh in Weinberg then on Sanchez for seven and a half years. The eldership team, we have an eldership camp at the beginning of every year, we used to before COVID. Um, in January, and we have the same, we go to the Elvis camp in January and confirm no. Or we could say, pack your bags, because you don't know where you could be going after the camp. So we have a few days together, and God speaks, and then decisions are made, and off you go. And one of the ways God spoke to us at the beginning of January 2019 was, your journey in Southern Suburbs is over, lost in the hand of church over, and then you move to Greenpoint and support Neil, who's leaving the congregation in Greenpoint. I don't leave the congregation in Greenpoint. I might be two RPs on an awesome team, and I'm leaning and supporting. And even in that, I've got shown you some stuff. So we've been sure a lot of transitions and different uh, phases of the family. In fact, this one here, she was six months old when Joshua Constantine started. And I can't believe I she is now. <laughs> sorry, six weeks. Sorry, six weeks old. Yeah, six, six weeks. Six weeks old. Let's see. Uh, you know, I'll look at it. Yeah, it's good. So, you know, it's been a journey. I've really been a journey of learning many things and having to unlearn many things. And then needing to like, get my head around like, New Testament church, the way to follow God faithfully, and to get on and follow in that way, and to do it to, like, just fully committed from trusting that God will, you know, I'll probably sign that to you tonight. Okay, so we're going to look at some scripture from the Old Testament. The portion of scripture I had on my heart was kind of the end of like the Moses era into the Joshua era. The Joshua generation, right? <laughs> anyway, so we're going to go there. We're going to look at Deuteronomy 31 this, um, and then uh, touch on the verse in Deuteronomy 34, and then look at Joshua 1 and the uh, first few chapters um, of Joshua. So, yeah, let's get into it. How to follow well during times of change. So, looking at this portion of scripture, I'm going to read church and we're going to Stuff from. It says, Then Moses went out, this is right at the end of Moses' life. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. He said, I'm now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to read you. That is all. Cool. <laughs> yeah? cool. The Lord has said to me, You shall not cross the Jordan River. It says, the Lord, the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. Now, speaking to the nation, speaking to Israel. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will also cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, who he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Everyone in Josh gave that verse. <laughs> be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with the people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you, he will not forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Just pause there for a moment. It's amazing as you read through scripture, just as I was reading it now, kind of scripture repeats itself. Okay? And that's because we, we need to hear truth. 
true. It's not that we've got to receive it and it's got to be absorbed into our hearts and into our lives and into our spirits. So even here, we see the writer repeating truth. But what stood out to me is this, the nation's about to go through a momentous transition. And he says in verse 6, Do not be afraid or terrified. And often we can change can be challenging. Change can be terrifying, actually, at times. But God speaks to them, He knows them. He says, Do not be afraid or terrified. And He says again in verse 8, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Okay, so He's preparing them for transition, preparing them about to go into the promised land. Then we read in Deuteronomy 34, verse 8. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. This is just shortly after. His eyes were unbidden, his vigor was unabated. Makes me think of Ryan Kingsley, the leader of the city ball congregation. He's now up in Joseph, Orthodox Church. Ryan is the most vigorous person I know. Full of vigor, always. Anyway, he's still in His eyes were unbidden, and his vigor was unabated at 120 years old. It says, The people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And so this leader that they had loved, this man that they had followed through the wilderness, was now coming to the end of his life, was preparing to hand over leadership to Joshua, and Joshua was about, was about to take him into the promised land. And you can see the people of God having to process this change and mourning the fact that he was passing away. Then in Joshua 1, we shift from the end of Deuteronomy into Joshua 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servants of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. And so I've said it already, but you see this incredible moment in the, in the history of the nation of Israel, and it's a moment of change, it's a moment of transition, it's a moment of the people having to well, I think that it's, uh, it's a moment of the people having to prepare themselves to enter into a land that they've been hearing about but they've never seen. Promises that God's been speaking about, but promises that they've never seen fulfilled. And now God is about to take them in. to take them under, under a different leader, a man that they didn't know. Much like Ashley's wonderful father is having to lead you as a people, a man that God has brought in, in order to lead you into more. It's different. There's change involved. There's a need to, to, in a sense, understand that the old is gone and the new has come, but to make sense of that well, so that you can follow him well into what God has for you as a people. Okay, so we know that the nation of Israel have been in the, um, in the desert, desert for 40 years. Um, and you can imagine that as they're about to now enter the promised land, there were different reactions amongst the people about what was to come. Because of, of the nation, the original nation that had crossed over the Red Sea, okay, the original people, how many now remained? There were only a few, I'll name two specifically. There were only two that remained from those original people. That was Joshua and, and Caleb. And so the two of them have been dreaming to this day forever. They are amped. They're like, yes, get me into that land. This is my inheritance. I've been waiting for this day. But the rest of the people have died out. And so it's a whole new generation who've been following Moses through the wilderness and all 
even know is the woman. They haven't known anything before that. And so this is now people, I think a lot of them would be going, okay, we've been hearing about this, but what is this going to look like? What is this going to mean for us? How is it going to be? Right? Yeah. And so they were experiencing change on many, many different levels. If you think about it, geographical change, we're going from the deserts into the promised land, crossing the Jordan River. This economic, the reason they're going from being things like man, is to drop from the sky, the people, right? The kind of lying on the ground. To now have to be a people, they're going to have to learn how to farm the land, sow the seed, look after it. There's a whole new way of living that was coming to them. They're going through leadership change, as I've, I've emphasized already, from Moses to Joshua. No, I mean, Moses was a man who was loved by God and they loved him. But God had raised up Joshua and he was a different man. He's carrying a sense a different spirit. And the people who needed to follow him well. They're going to go through a cultural change. There'd be nomads in the wilderness. And now they're now going to have to dwell in cities and learn to take over cities and look after things and steward what God had um, for them as an inheritance. And most importantly, they're going through spiritual change. Because they've been following a car by day and they've been following a pillar of fire by night. That's mm-hmm. easy. I mean, it's clear, there's the car, let's follow. When it moves, we go. Mm-hmm. When it stops, we stop. When the fire, same thing at night, same principle. It's clear, it's obvious, we follow it. There was now about to shift to a whole new way of living and a different type of leader that God was going to raise up. They were going to live under judges, they were going to live under kings. God was going to send these prophets. There was a whole new way of living that was going to come their way that at that stage they knew nothing about. Mm. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but change for me is challenging. It's hard. I like it when things remain the same. Some people are just change junkies. I'm not necessary either. I like it when things are stable. But this is a nation that was going through a massive transition, and there must have been some instability in the midst of them. So they were needing to have to find God to find life. Okay, so the story goes on. They come into the promised land. It says that they must cross the Jordan River. And so they cross the Jordan River under the leadership of Joshua. And they now step into the land. What happens after they come into the land? What are the things that come to mind? What are the first things that happen? They go into the promised land. They fight. They fight? Who do they fight? Jericho. Yes, Jericho. Jericho. So first thing comes to my mind. Cross the river and then bang, Jericho. How many times they walk on Jericho? Seven. Seven. And then the walls come down and God gives them the first city, the first of the inheritance, right? But what I really want to do is just pause for a moment because actually when it comes to transition and change, this is so often what happens is that we chase after the things of God without realizing that God wants to work with us through this change and through this transition. He's actually wanting to transform us in the process. And so between like, chapter 3 and chapter 5, chapter 6 is Jericho, the walls come down. God does some things with the nation. He says some things to the nation which are absolutely crucial in order for them to transition well and step into what God had for them. And I want to pick out a few of those things this evening. Okay. Then see Joshua 4, 21 to 24. Joshua 4 says this. It says that God had said to them that they, as they were to cross the river, they were to establish a memorial. They were to take 12 stones once they crossed the river, and they were to put those stones next to the river so that they could remember what God had done. 
It says in Joshua 4, 21 to 24, He says to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us alive until we passed over so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And so God wanted to remind the people, as they were about to go and conquer their first city, and as they are crossing this river, that it is a God who is faithful. He is faithful not just to them, actually in the end, faithful to himself. God is always in the end, Faithful to himself. And that's something I had to learn. Eh? As, uh, as we go through different transitions and we get involved in different congregations and different churches, it's incredible how sometimes you think the faithfulness of God is somehow linked to you. And it is to a measure, it is to a degree. But how through the transitions and changes, God is always concerned, first and foremost, with his glory. Yeah. And ensuring that his faithfulness is known, his glory is known, his name is known, that we're a people who are about him. Amen. Amen. Okay. So he did this to the center. Put these stones as a memorial so you can remember how faithful I've been to you. Now I'm crossing the Jordan. And as I was faithful to you so many years ago, 40 years previously, crossing the Red Sea. And then in chapter 5, we have another thing that God does with them. They have their first Passover. They celebrate, they celebrate their first Passover in you know, in the promised land, and I crossed the river. And I love how God orchestrated the timing of this so that the Passover would be one of the first things that they would do together as a people. It says, Joshua 5, verse 10, While the people of Israel were camped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day long, in the evening, on the plain of Jericho. And so just before they were about to take the city, God again was reminding them of his faithfulness, that the Passover was all about. It was a celebration of speaking about early worship, thinking about the fact that he needed to be central. Before they were to do anything, they weren't to run ahead of him. They were to slow down and to be with him. And to let him lead the way. And so they had moments of just being with God, celebrating who he is, what he meant to them, and then reminding themselves to the Passover that it was all a gift of grace. Even being there, they shouldn't have been there. But they were as God's people. Incredible, eh? So, firstly, God was reminding them about his faithfulness. Secondly, in those few chapters, we find God reminding them about the covenant. And it says in Joshua 5, and this is particularly uncomfortable for many of today, it says in Joshua 5, verses 2 to 5, it says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives. And circumcised the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made them knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeah Horah. Okay, that? Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who had come out had been circumcised, sorry, though all the people who came out had been circumcised, Yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had 
not been circumcised. Which is what I was saying earlier. Is there a generation, a generation who had been circumcised, had died off. They no longer existed. Okay, apart from a few of them, Joshua had made a few others. But the rest of the men had not been circumcised. So God brings them across the river, and before they have to take Jericho and start inheriting the promised land, he says to them again, stop and do this. And so it's a reminder to them of the covenant of God's faithfulness. Okay, again, they're coming through. But secondly, he wanted to humble them. Now, my culture, friends, I don't know about your culture, but in my culture, circumcision is normally done to boys and small. If the parents choose to. In your culture, I believe, and the parents, the fruits, it's usually done older. And the men are in transition. About what age? 18, 14, eh? 18, 19. 18, 19. Now, I remember years ago, when I was studying in town in 1999, I was studying journalism in the city, just finished school, 1998, that's how old I am, 14. Anyway, and the first time I'd been exposed to this, because one of my, um, my classmates, Disappeared for about two and a half, three weeks. Didn't tell us where he was going, or just gone. And then he came back a few weeks later, and then we discovered that we spent time with him. He was sharing with the story. He had gone through circumcision. Okay, it's a humbling experience. In fact, Lee's brother, who now lives in America, sadly, had a colleague who got circumcised at a later age, right? and actually didn't make it through. He ended up dying, betraying him. Anyway. But the point about circumcision here was that God was wanting to weaken them. He's wanting to weaken them. Especially the men. He's wanting to weaken them. He's wanting them to know right from the beginning that if they were going to take the promised land, they could not do it in their own strength. They had to rely on them. It wasn't just a reminder of covenant. He was, he was humbling. Because God resists the proud. He gives grace to humble. And so God, city ball PA, God loves humility. Loves it. It's all over. It's all over what you wrote. Humble. Just pick it up. Get stuff on your jammer. What's on you? He loves humility. And so we can try in order to come into what God has for us, we can try and sometimes do it in our own strength. But often that means it ends up not working out. Certainly doesn't work out for his Lord. But if we stop and we allow him to work with us through the changes and through the transitions and to do maybe some necessary heart surgery or to adjust our characters, or whatever it might be, we'll be in a position where we humble before Him and can be used by Him to take our inheritance. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So God is faithful. God wants us to be humble. And then in Joshua 5, you see this crazy appearing of the, the angel of the Lord, the Lord's arm. It says in uh, Joshua 5, verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes. This is before they took the city of Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? Good question. Huh? Yeah, that's a good question. Why are you going to kill me or not? Should I rather not? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And so God guys to say to you that what, what God is busy doing in the midst of you is a holy place, actually. 
We've got two groups of people coming together to form a new congregation, City Ball and now to pursue the things of God. It's a holy time. It's a holy moment. It's important to know it. It's God. It's God leading you. God going before you. He wants you to follow Him humbly, but He wants you to follow Him well. Okay. So with me. And so I want you to take softly, take comfort at the congregation. That our God is a God of change. We see transitions and moments of change throughout Scripture. This is just one of them. Very important transition and change. But there are many throughout you know, the whole story of Scripture. He's a God of change, transition, and transformation. But if we're going to follow him, we need to recognize his faithfulness. We need to submit to his, his love, his covenant love. And in weakness and humility, surrender to his leading, his holy God. He now has inheritance for you. And so, a few comments I want to make about times of transition, which are not so much teaching, this is more like teaching, but more like, um, can't you open this initiative? Thank you. It's, you know, times of transition are so important. They're so important in our personal lives, and they're so important in the life of the church. And there are often things that happen in times of transition that we need to make sense of. But during times of transition, it's important we recognize what is God doing. Um, and my experience of leading people to times of transition is sometimes people think that God has stopped speaking to them. But it's not that he stopped speaking to them, but he's now speaking in a different way. And when, when we go through a, a time of transition, and maybe the voice of God is not as clear as it was before, because you've always known it in a certain way, often the temptation is to return to what you've known before. Okay, so like I said many years ago, we and I were living in a congregation in Josh Temple, Stancherberg. And to be honest, Two years or a year and a half into the beginning of that congregation, the wheels came off. It was a nightmare. We had an eldership of three that turned into an eldership of one over the course of basically a month and a half. The one eldership couple left, and the wife was seething, I think she's still seething a decade later, gone. And the reason, the reason that they couldn't come with and couldn't, couldn't transition well was this, because God began to speak in a different way. And she couldn't make sense of it. She wanted to return to what she'd always known, to the comforts of, we've always done it this way, we've always done it that way. And God was saying, no, I have something new to you. In order to embrace it, you've got to leave that behind. It's difficult, but it's imperative. Okay. As the nation crossed over the river, there was going to be no more manna. Can you imagine standing in the sky now? God feed me. And he's saying, feed yourselves. From man from heaven, no, feed yourself. That type of thing. I've always known it that way. But now I have something new for you. I'm having to learn new ways and journey with God. Right? Yeah. At times of transition, the choices we make are disproportionately important because they are setting a tone or the course or the DNA for the future. What you're doing now is your future in six months' time. Okay, 
And that's why as you're a congregation that's coming together, as relationships are being formed, and you're coming to know, getting to know each other, which is a beautiful thing, it's, there are going to be things that your leaders are going to sow into you. Say, we need to do this at this time. We need to do this at that time. Leave that focus on this. And that's so important because your leaders are called to look forward. They're called to see what's to come. So listen, listen to them now. Follow them now because the fruit of what you're doing now will be seen six months, a year down the line. And if you transition well, you're going to walk into the fruit of what the potential future that's ahead of you. Amen. So we need to make important choices to follow God and to follow our leaders well during the season. Especially, and I love, you know, I don't know how many of your church are here today, but I don't know if there are a bunch of you here. But especially during times of change, we need to be together. We need to be together a lot. Open homes, into each other's lives, hearing your stories. Like Jane says, be slow to speak, quick to listen, and listen to each other's stories. Because through that relationship is built, and you earn each other's trust. Okay. But you know, seasons of transition will be characterized by God coming and testing your heart. You will. If you haven't been tested yet in these first couple of months, your test is coming. Okay, every one of you will be tested in some way or other. And it's so important that as you test it, that you go through the challenges of the change, it's so important that you process it well. You don't hide stuff, you don't bury stuff, but you bring things into the light that you need to speak about. Demetri, I'm struggling with this. Tony, I'm struggling with that. Lindsay, I'm struggling with that. Karen, I'm struggling with that. Whoever it might be, Peter, I'm struggling with that. Talk about it. Process it. Pray into it. Because if you bury stuff, at some stage, if not now, down the line, it's going to appear, it's going to rear its head. Deal with things. Deal with it. You don't have to deal with all of them in one moment. A bit of that is the Holy Spirit shows you this thing, this thing. Process it. Talk it through. Pray it through. Firstly with God and then those who are in relationship with. That's also what some of undoing was for us, the things we've brought into your life. Or say we've brought into life so far down the line. It's like we've been struggling with this for so long and it's not turned into a massive thing. No. I don't know. God can see, but I can't see. Bring it into life. Amen. Okay. Um, and then last little comment on this time of transition is that um, we are often the most vulnerable during times of transition. We need to remember we have an enemy, and that's why I'm speaking about the heart, because the enemy watching, much as God is faithful and he's leading and he's guiding, and the enemy's always looking for an opportunity. In times of transition, we are vulnerable, because it's not what we know before, we're going into a future which we maybe never foreseen or hadn't expected. And during this time, it's so important that you have your guard up against the enemy. Yeah. Aware of the schemes. The schemes to come bring division, to bring thoughts against yeah. other people, not wanting to follow your leaders, you don't agree with the way that they said it, whatever it might be. The most vulnerable in time of transition. So be on guard. Alright. Okay. And so I really believe that as the nation of Israel was transitioning through that time from um, God speaking to them, be bold, be courageous, take the ground, and then they cross the river, about to conquer Jericho. In those couple of chapters there, the beginning of Joshua, God was at work with them, doing things in their hearts, doing things in their lives, to prepare them to try and transition as best as they could. We know the story goes on, and they 
fertilization crops to, to their humidity, and they fall and like we are. But the point is, God is doing something with them there, and we need to remain with them. And I think these, um, these times of transition are a time for us to examine ourselves and redirect our lives around who we value and what we value. So again, opportunity for us to examine ourselves and redirect our lives around who we value and what we value. Because you know, transitions if they go and well, can sweep us up in the next time. It's just amazing to be part of something new that God is doing. The potential of new life. It's a few that come in and there's a new bunch of people together in the future that God has for you. It's so easy to get swept up in that, and that's amazing. But at a deeper level, you've got to transition yourself well. And if there's anything that you're anxious about, if there's anything that you need to work through to work that through. So intentionally create space for God to search your heart, to be at work with you. So important in times of transition that you're a people or a person who rejoices. God wanted them to thank Him for what He'd done before. That's why He reminded them of their faithfulness. Sorry, His faithfulness. So that they could align themselves with them. Thank you, God, for what you did crossing the Red Sea 40 years ago. Just see me do it again. And so we align ourselves with that. You're good. You're faithful. We worship you. We thank you for your faithfulness to our ancestors. And now the faithfulness we are experiencing now. And they open their hearts up and worship them and thank you. So important that you're a person who's able to give thanks. He loves to be thanked. Eh? does. But along with the rejoicing, there needs to be reflection. Where are you at? Where are you at with Jesus? Firstly. Because in transition, you can get swept up with all the changes that somehow Jesus goes missing. You're loving everything else, but where's the Jesus? What's going on with you and him personally in your times of life? So where are, you, where are you and Jesus at? And then where are you at with the people around you? You kind of touched on already. Opportunities to think and reflect and pray, and pray through as you go through times of change. And often when you reflect in this way, God points things out. And he says, Ross, you need to adjust on that thing. Ross, you think you're seeing it, but you're not. You need to shift. You need to change. And then those are opportunities to repent. To come before me. Stop and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for um, you know, passionately being passionate about something and holding on to something so strongly that it means I can't let go of the past. I'm moving to the future. And so needing to repent of holding on to things that even give us security. Past seasons of transition are an amazing opportunity just to say there's been sin in my life and up to this point it's had a hook in me. But now that we're going through change, now is an opportunity for me to get rid of that thing, to bring that thing into the life. And what an opportunity now during the season. You don't have to walk forward into this future that God has for you. With sin that's always been knocking at your door, somehow got a hook inside of you. It's an opportunity now, guys, during the season to say, that thing that I've never had the courage to deal with, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to bring it into the light and trust that God and His goodness and His graciousness and His compassion is going to deal with it, is going to love me, is going to heal me, and so I can move on stronger, healed up, and able to take the land that God has for me and for us. Amen. Amen. And so I think God will ask any of us 
few times the change and transition, and I've certainly, like I said, experienced it many times over the years. Ask me the question, what, what kind of person are you becoming through this change? Are you becoming a person who's more loving, who weren't so loving before? Are you becoming a person who's more courageous than you were before? Are you a person who maybe struggled with fear and through this time God has wanted to bring peace into your life? What is the type of person that God is, what's He doing inside of you? What are those things that He's wanting to change so that you can move into the future with Him? And so I want to try and land this in the next few minutes by asking us again the question how do we follow the world during times of transition? And I think we need to be, if we're going to follow him well, we need to be a people that are going to prioritize his presence. I love how when they crossed the river, who was it that went first? It was the priests. And what were they be carrying? Hmm? Yeah, they were carrying the presence of God with them. So the presence of God went before them. And needed to always be in their midst, needed to be central to who they were as people leading the way and essential to their living, their life, and their worship. And so we need to prioritize the presence of God. I love the way we do worship together as a people. So important that we spend those times in His presence. But in you know, personal times with Him, we've got to find His presence. We've got to find His presence. Now, you know, I got saved so many years ago. Um, yeah, I should have said it a long time ago. <laughs> um, I felt God tell me early days to learn to play the guitar. And it was never learn to play the guitar to lead worship. It was not something I necessarily felt or called or pursued to do. But through all my years, always had a guitar floating around somewhere in our home. And especially as times, especially the times I need God the most, I come to the guitar and I five or six chords I can worship. I can be with him. I can find him. Because I know in his presence, that's where he speaks to me. That's where I'm changed. That's where he's able to minister to my soul and to my spirit. And so I mean, some of you are more musical than others. Some of you need to act with God in other ways. But you need to find those things in your lives that allow you to find his presence and to be with him. Okay? Because when we find him, we find each other. Right? When we find him, we find each other. And almost always, when I've gone through times of transition or change and it's been difficult, and I haven't been finding the people next to me, or there's, there's issues between us that start to develop, it's almost always because I, somewhere along the line, seem to have lost Jesus. Where is he? Where are you? Where did you go? I'm running ahead of you. I'm not walking in step with you. And then important to find him. Alright. The first thing to find praise God. And obviously, we've got to be a people who let the Word and the Spirit examine, examine our hearts. Especially, Times of change, times of transition. You've got to let this, you know, don't just read this, but let it read you. As it says in Jeremiah 17, and 9 to 10, it says that our hearts are deceitful about And to, not just to know it, but to read it and to let it speak to you. Oh, that's a hectic truth. In this season, where's my heart being deceitful? What's going on in like the shadows, you know? And allow him in there, into those places, minister to you, speak to you. Okay. From that place, the trust, faith, 
humility, the things, the character of God will start to grow. This happens in your life. As he examines you, the word and the spirit examines you, the fruit of the spirit starts to flow out of you. Thirdly, I'm let it Thirdly, trust your leaders. Trust your leaders. Man, trust Joshua like never before. Man, really, but they had a mind. But no one knows. They know of Joshua, but he'd never been there here before. And I know a little bit of Tony. He's a wonderful man. A number of years ago, I went on a, a trip into Africa with him. He spent some time in uh, Zim. I think he might have been about some uh, down there as well. Jeez, he's an amazing trip. And he's an amazing man. But I know Tony's in the details. Like I was 10 or seven, eight, nine years ago, in the details. And just a group, a group of people merging together and now need to find Jesus together. Only God can make that work. Only God. Okay. And so in his humility, as he's seeking Jesus, as he's seeking Jesus also in team and then with the leaders here, as the leaders in your congregation and the leaders in Joshua give direction, saying in this season we need to prioritize that thing, whatever it might be. Maybe it's in the season. Forget about everything else, just love each other. Just spend time with each other. I don't know what Tony said to you. If it's that, awesome. God speak it. Let's not forget that. <laughs> um, but whatever you need to say, get behind it and follow it 100%. 100%. Okay. Trust your leaders. Don't wait for them. Don't, don't sit and go like, my leaders, have, you've got to be my trust. Give your trust. It's a hard thing to give your heart. Give your love. Give your trust. And as you do, God will be with you. Look after you. You will. Okay. Trust your leaders. Follow your leaders. And follow the world. And then lastly, keep praying. If you aren't praying, people, now is the time to be praying more than ever. And if I think back to our transition many years ago, that's what we didn't do enough. We didn't rest. We didn't pray enough. We didn't pray enough. The leaders didn't pray enough. And the church didn't pray enough. Encourage you, pray, spend time praying, seeking God's feelings, praying together, praying, praying for each other, praying for the church, praying for what God is doing in the midst of you because through prayer, you begin to carry God's heart for the church in your midst. And it means your heart opens up more and more to the people around you, people that are new to you, and people that you need to build relationships with. Okay, amen. So as I, as I land this, I want to ask us two questions. Firstly, maybe in the midst of this the season of change that you've been on over the last few months, and especially the last couple of months, you've realized, kind of like Leanne was saying earlier, speaking about the Father, you, you missed, you realized that you've actually missed it. That God being at work, but you haven't been at God, with God. And that tonight you need to come back to Him. You need to actually find Him. You need to be with Him. You need to personally get close to Him. And there's an opportunity for you to return to him and to get close, to get near. Because he's a God who wants you to see. He's a God who wants you to know. The Father wants you to and come closer. And if you do, he's going to respond and give you more of himself. Give you his love, give you his presence, give you his patience, and give you his wisdom, and all the things that you need during this time. Okay. So if that's you, the opportunity, which we will have to throw our life again upon 
But there's possibly this evening the greatest transition that needs to occur for someone. Might have come here this evening and you don't actually know Jesus. And all of us here who do know Jesus have been through a time of change, a time of transition with him. Where there was a time when we didn't know him, and there was a time when we did know him. And there could be an opportunity for us tonight to respond to him. One of you or two of you, maybe for the first time, to let God in, to allow him to life, to begin a process of change and transition. Coming, coming from a person who didn't know him to not even know him. Okay. So I'd love to do that by asking us to stand. And Mark, if you can get onto the guitar, I don't know, um, are we going to have time to break break here? Like, it would be awesome if we can do that. So, you saying? <laughs> I think it would be awesome. It would be awesome just to have a few minutes of breaking bread together. Um, yeah, the stand, just close our eyes. And just think about what I've said tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Your Father, I just want to thank you tonight for, um, for Joshua and City Ball and for this group of people who've come together. And in some ways, their lives have just collided. Like once they were not people, but now they are people. Once they were not a church, but now they are a church. And that can only be you, God. That can only be you, Father, who would have seen this, who would have known this, and who would have planned it. And so we want to give people this evening, Father, who would again just submit our lives to you. And say, Lord, we want to follow you well through time for change. We want to follow you well through this time for transition. And while we want to run up to you and take ground and run into our inheritance, it's important that we actually stop and we recognize your faithfulness. We recognize your call to humility. But Father, maybe you want to cut our hearts tonight and humble us. So we don't want to run in our own strength, but seek you, seek you well. Father, this evening we thank you that just as the nation of Israel had the opportunity to celebrate the Passover as they were to enter into the promised land, we have the opportunity this evening to recognize and to celebrate what it is that you've done for us.